Good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN Sunday for Sunday, August 6th, 2023. We've got another great show for you this week as members of the media, academia, financial services, and government are standing by to help break down all the key news and events for the week. So sit back, relax, enjoy this episode of BRN Sunday. We're going to kick things off with a look at what is happening on Capitol Hill. And joining me on the line, you know them as the Legal Eagles. They're also known as David Levine, Kevin Walsh. Both are principals with Groom Law Group. That's an employee benefits law firm based in Washington, D.C. Gentlemen, thanks so much for making time for us this morning. Good morning, Jeff. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us as always. We hope everybody is enjoying the dog days of summer because it certainly seems like there's a little bit of a slowdown, but not completely. So we're here to talk about what's still going on. Yeah, absolutely. And and Kevin, I want to thanks David for that. And always pleasure to chat with both of you, Kevin. Uh, let's talk a little bit about money market reform. This one may be a little under the radar screen for many members of the audience, but uh, what is it and what's the latest? Yeah, so uh, money market funds are kind of a vehicle that are been used by tax exempt institutional investors mainly and, you know, 401k plans um, as a way of, you know, having money earn a very small return. Um, while not being put at risk. So the idea is that, you know, you're getting a treasury or cash type return uh, and they provide, you know, daily liquidity. And if we think about that, you know, it's, it's a type of product where, you know, there's a manager who is generating a small return, avoiding risk, but has to provide liquidity. And the providing liquidity means that it's a, a product that could potentially have runs, even if, you know, there's not risk in the assets, if there's duration risk. So if, if the, things that are generating the risk-free return, so like a longer-term treasury, um, aren't fully liquid on the day that folks want to redeem. And in 2020, you know, the the pandemic, um, there was a brief period where there was a run on money market funds. So folks were redeeming for money market funds. It looked as though there was some probability that folks would have to sell assets to fund those redemptions and that, you know, money market fund investors could lose money. Um, as a result of fire sales. That didn't happen. You know, the Federal Reserve stepped in, um, the redemptions stopped. Um, but the SEC has been concerned about that. And, you know, over the last year and a half, it has adopted amendments to the rules that surround money market funds to, in an attempt to make them more resilient, um, you know, for those those catastrophic scenarios. In their proposal, they had included something called swing pricing, mm-hmm. um, which would require essentially, you know, the managers to know by market close, uh, everybody who's placed a trade and know the amount of the trades so that they could determine whether or not, you know, redemptions exceeded certain limits. And if redemptions exceeded certain limits, then, you know, investors be haircut essentially by a swinging factor. So some factor, you know, 3%, 5% um, based on, the expected fire sale to sell those assets. Um, and that was a way to prevent, you know, lockups and freezes in the money market system. Now, folks weren't wild about this. Um, the idea that 
you know, there'd be losses in money market funds and provided lots of comments. Mm -hmm. uh, and ultimately, the SEC went in a slightly different direction. So what they've done, and they did this last month, is they increased the minimum daily and weekly liquidity requirements for money market funds. So, you know, the idea that the things that you're investing to generate these returns, the percentage of them that have to be daily liquid and the percentage that have to be weekly liquid is going to be higher going forward. Um, again, the idea is it helps avoid fire sales because you can have more redemption requests come in before you have to sell longer dated um, debt. Yeah. And it, it eliminate, go on. No, no, go ahead, finish. It uh, eliminates provisions that permit money market funds to temporarily suspend redemptions. Um, and so, you know, it, it essentially, it makes it so that, you know, gating, which was a fear. And, you know, if, if you're an investor and you're worried that you're not going to get your money back, sometimes the idea that, that redemptions can be suspended can cause a run because folks want to get in before the, the redemption is, it happens, um, before the gate kicks in, um, you know, so eliminating the ability to put discretionary gates in place, you know, in the SEC's view might reduce that risk. And then yes. third, it, it requires, you know, tax exempt, uh, money market funds to impose mandatory liquidity fees under certain conditions. So, you know, essentially the SEC is saying we're going to pivot from a world where um, investors have to be worried about their liquidity because a money market fund manager might gate if there's a rapid redemption wave to a world where um, investors have to just acknowledge the prospect that, you know, under certain circumstances, the SEC is saying, you know, don't gate, but push losses on those investors, even though money market funds are designed to be, you know, stable, essentially, you know, flat investment products. Uh, well, thanks for that, Kevin. And David, I want to pivot back to you because money market instruments, while we're talking about this on the Broadcast Retirement Network, is because stable instruments are typically part of an investment lineup. And uh, this this would have had an impact on retirement savers and qualified retirement plans, 401k, 403b, et cetera, if those plans had money market funds in them. That's right. And in fact, it would have even been broader than that because with all the hard clothes and all the other items that have been out there lurking at this point, it could have affected trading. It could affect evaluation retirement plans. You could have had whole issues about when timing of trades get shut down for the day because the retirement system goes through many levels. You go through a record keeper, then who, who then goes through a trustee or custodian who then has to aggregate the orders. It gets messy. Mm -hmm. This is a positive improvement. Although I was going to make one joke, Jeff. Okay. Uh, the joke that has to be made here is, it was a money market fund itself is not automatically or always assumed to be part of a uh, retirement plan. Because remember, we get the lawsuits that say you had a stable value fund, you should have had a money market. And then you get the other lawsuit that says you had a money market. Why didn't you have a stable value fund instead? So who knows which one you're supposed to have? Yeah. And uh, Kevin, let me pivot back to you. David makes a really good point. And then you get into the the competing durations under four years, all that kind of stuff that is a little bit, look, I'm going to say it a little bit too wonky. Um, but but Kevin, would these rules have impacted uh, stable value products? So we're, I know it's the SEC rules on money market, but would they have impacted the trading of stable value funds, which appear to be similar to money market, but they're really different financial instruments. They're, 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 a, they're a fixed income product wrapped by an insurance company to provide a guarantee. 
Yeah. So they, they don't, um, they wouldn't directly apply to stable value products. Um, that being said, you know, if, if it leads to changes in the market structure, so, you know, if one of the differences is going to be that one product is always liquid while the other product is only, you know, has a risk of locking up, or it creates the impression where stable value funds are less likely to lose money than money market funds. Whereas, you know, up until now, we, they've both been perceived as very safe. Um, you know, the market could evolve and, and, you know, regulators for stable value products could make changes in response to uh, SEC changes. Um, so, you know, it, it wouldn't directly make a change, but it's it's something worth watching. Yeah. And, and David, just to kind of close it out, I see the rationale behind the draft of the rule or the, you know, why it was proposed. But I always look through the lens of how do you communicate all this stuff? Could you imagine having to communicate a different close time uh, for a set of funds in order to do all that work? I mean, that would be just substantial. We already have challenges in the retirement industry of communicating people and why they should save or how they should draw down at this. I mean, this would be re- reinventing 40 years of, of trading, basically. Well, I know I mean, that... I, that- I know that that's a real concern here, and I, I think that's part of it, that these rules would have had a disproportionate effect on retirement savers, who in some ways are the least sophisticated, potentially, because it's the broadest group, not saying retirement savers are unsophisticated. It, it really could have had a real draconian effect on the people we're trying to get to save the most. Yeah. Kevin, you were going to make a comment. I mean, I just, you know, it's worth watching SEC proposals in general here, you know, hard close is a proposal that's come up a couple of times in a couple of contexts. Right now, there's a, a different proposal related to mutual funds that has hard close. And, you know, if, if that happened, it would be a substantial barrier for retirement mm-hmm. traders, particularly those, you know, who may not be in, in New York or DC, who, you know, East Coast traders who may have a few hours to trade. But if you're in the West Coast or Hawaii, um, a hard close requirement with record keeping may make it so that, you know, same day trading is all but dead. Yeah. Uh, well, gentlemen, uh, really great discussion. I think it's really informative and um, always, you know, I should just point out that the legal eagles, they're on top of everything such to the, to the point where they're always looking at the federal register every day. You guys consume that, right? I mean, you guys are just like looking at that nonstop. It's bedtime I mean, reading. What can I say? Bedtime <laughs> reading. I mean, I, I look at the 845 edition that comes out each morning. I know, I know. I was setting Kevin up. I knew exactly what he would say. Uh, There you go. Well, gentlemen, great to talk to you. Thanks so much for stopping by the program. And we look forward to talking to you guys again next week. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, listeners. Bye, gentlemen. Have a great weekend. Bye. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer healthier and in control of your financial future this network is for the policewoman in nashville tennessee the baker in dubuque iowa the teacher in lexington kentucky We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy.
featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Welcome back. And now we're joined by Oliver Renick of the TD Ameritrade Network. Oliver, always great to talk to you. Thanks for stopping by the program this morning. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Okay. Um, okay. Where do we start? I, let's. I'm gonna start with jobs. Let's talk about jobs. How we How we doing in the jobs uh, arena? Jobs are pretty good this week. There were no big big shockers. With the highlight being employment on Friday, we came in a little bit light, um, and we also revised downwards. But the rest of the data was uh, pretty firm, pretty consistent this week. Nothing explosive, but still for the most part. Pretty steady as it goes, solid. Uh, we did see ADP private uh, jobs were elevated, and jobless claims and jolts were pretty much in line with expectations. And on net, over the five days, we got Treasury yields higher. And um, we had a big reversal on Friday when jobs came in light. Bonds rallied, yields dropped back down, the 10 year dropped back down to 4%. But it still was a net positive move, and bonds were kind of the highlight of the week for the most part um, when you get outside of all the big cap tech earnings. Oliver, when it, you know, earlier in the week we had uh, Fitch um, downgrade the U.S. long term debt from AAA to AA, plus. a little bit of an anomaly, and people like Jamie Dimon, Warren Buffett, I mean, hey, look, who are they? But they did, did kind of dismissed this as an anomaly, it didn't matter. How did markets uh, digest all that information from Fitch or that decision by Fitch? You know, there's definitely a debate to be had. Um, Some might argue that uh, yields are going up because of all the debt that the government is going to be issuing. And there were some pretty big treasury auctions, and that's kind of connected to the notion of the deficit debt being a problem. But generally – I prioritize the dollar in that analysis, and the dollar actually on the week ended up higher. It dropped after employment, too, but the dollar still is higher than it was before the ratings downgrade, and I find it hard to believe the market takes any downgrade seriously when the dollar is actually higher. You would expect not just yields to be up, but you should expect the dollar to be getting hit if folks really were worried that there's going to be some sovereignty crisis. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like this kind of ticks up every once in a while. Not the Fitch decision, but the, the, the conversation about spending, government spending. I feel like we have it like every two years or whenever we're looking at the debt ceiling. Um, but I feel like it, it, that always comes up. Oliver, shifting gears, uh, let's talk about tech earnings. I know probably – an anathema to you, but I uh, probably don't want to talk about it. But let's just talk about tech earnings. Apple, Amazon, kind of divergent path. 
Yeah, it was a very interesting report this week from those two companies. Um, a lot of the story can be told by just looking at the charts over the past year and a half. Amazon coming into this report had been still trending lower, lower highs, lower lows. Even despite the big rally this year, Amazon was still below where it was a year ago, which was below where it was at its record. And so it's a very different setup than for Apple, which was breaking out, crushing, rallying every day and persistently making new all-time records. The bar is going to be a bit higher uh, in the case than for Apple to report slowing top line actual contraction uh, for the third quarter in a row. I mean, it really makes you scratch your head why that stock is trading as expensive really as it is. Whereas Amazon, on the other hand, returning back to profitability from a year ago, seeing the engine of web services still running at double digits and uh, the overall online business strong enough to sustain a top-line double-digit growth rate just seemingly looks a lot like that stock suddenly got an unfair shake the last six months. And I think that's why you kind of recalibrated Amazon up, Apple down. Yeah. Um, Oliver, I guess last question. I mean, we've kind of had these mixed messages uh, you know, from the Fed, from Fitch, but the market continues to, to roll. Maybe not at the same velocity as the word I'll use, but it, it still continues to roll, and, and those bears, they're kind of still being kept at bay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the only threat, it seems, would be a big, big move in the bond market, and it does kind of look like we're on the precipice of that, but it's going to require – some really impressive data. It's going to require the Fed to get a little bit more hawkish. And until you start to see the dollar rising alongside short yields as well, then stocks might be able to enjoy a bond sell-off or two if it means the economy is better than expected. We can take that in stride unless the dollar really starts reflecting a more hawkish outlook from the Fed, and then that's when stocks might run into problems, I think. Um, as far as the earnings go... They weren't great, really, to be honest, but there still is enough turnaround and pickup potential with uh, trends that had been really decelerating, like cloud, like tech, like chips, trying to turn the corner that's encouraging. Not so sure about Apple, though. Uh, Apple might have a little bit of a reckoning going ahead because it just seems hard to justify how far it's come when it's not growing. <laughs> maybe, 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 yeah, I mean, no one's buying. I was talking to somebody yesterday. Um, I have an iPhone from 2016. A lot of people aren't buying the new iPhones. Maybe they're still trading on what they did in the past. Maybe that's it. Maybe, you know, maybe there's just bullish, bullish expectations, Oliver. Always for Apple, yep. Yep. Well, Oliver, always great to talk to you. Don't forget to check him out on the TD Ameritrade Network twice a day, five days a week. Thank Oliver, you. great to talk to you. Have a great rest of the weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. See you. Bye-bye. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Sunday. Have a topic of interest, somebody you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more and all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? Well, visit our website. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRN AM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes.